Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to, yes, another episode of the Hard Rock Core Podcast. I cannot thank you enough for your support, and it is, of course, 2021 right now, and I thank you all for joining me, staying with me, and if you're a first-time listener, thanks for tuning in. You are appreciated, because I don't exist without you all listening out there, so thank you for tuning in. This is episode 38 of the Hard Rock Core Podcast, and today my guest is guitar player, sensation, musician extraordinaire, super nice guy, friendly guy. Had a great conversation with him. This is going to be with Joel Hoekstra, who plays guitar with, obviously, his solo project, which is Joel Hoekstra's 13, which has a new album coming out on February 12th on Frontiers. It's called Running Games. Also plays with Whitesnake. TSO has played with Night Ranger has done Rock of Ages. I mean, if you look up his discography and who he's performed with, it's a who's who. On this album, you obviously have Joel playing guitar. Russell Allen is singing. Vinny Apice is playing drums. Tony Franklin on bass. Derek Sherinian on keyboards. And as Joel himself says, Jeff Scott Soto on backing vocals, which Jeff Scott Soto is a name all to itself as far as vocals and contributions. So, a lot to talk about in this conversation with Joel and appreciate his time. Even though we had a little bit of a hiccup with hooking up initially, he made it happen. So shout out to you, Joel, for getting this connection together. I appreciate it. I appreciate you and your time and glad to know we got some mutual friends out there as well and disturbed. As always, you can find me online at hardrockcore.net, which has links to all of my socials, including Instagram, Twitter, the Spotify playlist, the YouTube channel, and of course, all of the podcast information. Shout out to John Freeman for making this happen. Shout out to Joel for connecting, despite the hiccup. And check out his new album on February 12th on Frontiers called Running Games. And here's my conversation with Joel. Hey, man, let's try this again, huh? Hey, we'll try it, and maybe I won't seem like a, uh, what do you call it, a telemarketer or something right now calling you. Oh, I sort of, I mean, it was like 50-50. I saw a number coming in that I didn't know, and I was like, you know what, this either could be like a spam call, but it, it is a holiday, and I was like, this could be a an interview that went awry, and sure <laughs> enough, it was. <laughs> so... Anyway, I'm glad I picked up, and I'm glad we can make it happen. I'm glad you could, man, because I was really excited to talk with you, and then I emailed Freeman afterwards. I'm like, um, we got this wrong. And he's like, oh, my bad. I, I set it up for Tuesday and not Monday. So that was the <laughs> okay, issue. Yeah, well, there you go, man. It's always those publicists, you know? No, no, no. I'm not talking bad about Freeman. He's been, like, one of my greatest supporters from I'm day kidding, one. But, you yeah. know, it's always good to poke and jab a little bit. Obviously, you're from Chicago area, I take it. I grew up in the, the burbs of Chicago, but I, I've been in New York now for 20 years. So do you feel more at home in New York or, or <laughs> back in Illinois? Mm, all over, man. I'm equal opportunity because I, I tour – or did tour so much <laughs> part of this past year uh, uh, that I just kind of all over. I mean, I, I lived in LA for a couple of years. I've spent months in other cities doing sit down gigs and things. So it's fine. I've been in New York for a long time. You know, it's a 20 years is a long time. That is a long time. But prior to, and I, I got to ask it just because I, I have some friends out there in the Chicago area. Were you, 
and I see you banter a little bit with Dan from Disturbed on on Instagram and stuff like that. Were you friends with those guys before they uh, took off? Yeah, Danny and I go all the way back to um, the local band scene together. He was in Vandal, uh, his band, when he was a, a young dude, and and mine, the band I was in, was called Outcry. And we, I think we we must have done gigs together. I know we did. We used to play the same venue all the time, this all ages venue. Um, in addition to a couple others, but we always, always hit this place called cats back then in the Southwest suburbs. I forget specifically what suburb it was in, but, uh, yeah, he was always a good dude, man. Always great. And there was a couple of times I think we got together and jammed outside of the, the bands and stuff would be like, yeah, let's get together and jam. And, you know, so yeah, he's, he's always been a really good dude. I'm so happy for him that he's everything that's, uh, happened with disturbed has, has, uh, has gone down, man. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, definitely. I, I met those guys in like, I think late 99, I was doing a marketing gig at that point in time and, and became friends with them, got to work the first album and, you know, still in touch with Mike and Dan to this day. And whenever they roll through here in California, say hello and, you know, have a drink or three with them. Yeah. Those guys, I, you know, Mike and I kind of got to know each other a little after the fact, you know, cause he, he was, um, he was in that scene, but not kind of out actively as much. And then I think so, because I knew Dan, we just kind of bonded pretty quickly because we had a mutual friend or whatever. And, uh, but he's a great guy, man. I like him a lot too. Um, so yeah, I'm very happy for, for those cats that everything is, has, uh, gone like it has, man. It's pretty amazing level of success that that band has enjoyed. And yourself as well, because you have quite a, a decorated one, one, you're an established musician. I just don't mean somebody who plays three chords on a rock and roll stage, but you're a, true musician sort of the purest sense and you know your time with tso with white snake uh and you know doing stuff with Cher as well you're across the board it's you're very accomplished yourself uh well thanks man i mean that's all relative so uh i'll take the compliment <laughs> so like you said obviously you know you, you live basically all over the world because of your travel schedule how have you adapted to the past you know we'll call it 12 months at this point now. How, how has that treated you? Cause you've had to do things differently now. I'm just, uh, I'm doing the same philosophy as always, man. The every day, just trying to be productive. That's my, my thing. So, uh, just working really hard through all of it. And that helps me get through it and not be like, you know, one of the musicians that's sitting around going, just waiting for touring to restart, man. You know, it's like, um, not the way to go. Cause that just leads to a lot of unhappiness. And so, Anyway, I'm teaching a lot, 30 students a week and doing master classes for rock and roll fantasy camp and uh, doing lots of uh, those cameos, those personalized greetings. I tend to do about 10, 15 of those a week and uh, doing sessions for people. I'd say I play on three, four songs a week for people and writing with people. Just turned in the songs for the project uh, with Michael Sweet and Nathan James. It's coming up on Frontiers and uh, doing some co-writing as we speak uh, with my friend Jim Peterick for an album he's producing. So uh, staying super busy, man. And of course, finished up my album that we're, we're going to talk about, right? Um, so uh, and the quarantine videos I've had an opportunity to do during this too. You know, with, with Mike Portnoy and uh, Dino Jalusic and Virgil Tanati, and I have another one of those that's coming out soon. So. I've just been super productive and working nonstop. Well, it seems like more more productive than normal. And, and you know, to talk a, a little bit um, about what's coming out on February 12th with Running Games, was that written while in quarantine? Or, or how did, what's the new, you know, the origins of this? No, it was basically, 
it was about halfway done. I mean, the drums and bass were down for it. Uh, all the lyrics and everything were written. There was what's called scratch guitars down by the time this, when this thing started up. So I had to actually track my guitars and then I had to have Russell sing. I had laid down a guide vocal of myself singing the album, like just not nearly as well as him, uh, for him to listen to. So Russ got his tracks done and, uh, Basically, who else? Derek Sherinian and Jeff Scott Soto. So four of us need to get our tracks down and then obviously get it mixed and get it turned in. And then it takes time for Frontiers to turn it around. So, um, I mean, it's been done for a little bit, but that's that's just the way it goes. So we slow going getting an album out. And was Vinny the per- first person you recruited to join you in this project? Uh, well, this is the follow-up album. So we did an album back in 2015, and it began actually with Tony Franklin because we, we played together on the VHF project. And this is right around the time I was deciding, like, hey, I want to do like a, you know, something where I'm writing everything, but it's just kind of band-sounding music, right? Not like I don't want to do a guitar instrumental album or anything like that. I've kind of already done that. So um Tony was the first guy I asked. And then I asked him if he had anybody he'd want to recommend on drums. And he recommended Vinny Apice. And, uh, from there, we're off and running. Russell Allen joined TSO right at that time. And I was like, well, he's perfect for this. He can sing the, the Dio-ish kind of hard rock stuff. And he can sing the melodic stuff and kind of bluesy like Foreigner. And um, perfect, perfect for the project. And uh, Sherinian's the perfect guy for great sounds and playing for the song. And also, if I want to have uh, an alternate soloist, it's great. So people aren't just bored to death of listening to my guitar. solo on an album, uh, every single song, like when's the guitar solo happening, you know? Um, so he's, he's fantastic. And just got Soto, man. I mean, is his, he's the most overqualified background vocalist in, in the history of rock and roll, man. I mean, he's, um, but he's incredible at it. He just, he does such an amazing job at doing the backgrounds and, and we're just good friends. So he just helped me out with that. He's, he's a great guy as well. And you mentioned two things in your dialogue there. You said to make it sound more like a band. And I think you definitely accomplished that. It doesn't sound like a, let me show off my guitar skills and throw in licks and fills, you know, after every vocal line, it, it sounds very cohesive. Like it was uh, written together almost, you know, with everybody involved. Yeah. Thanks man. Well, I guess the, the balance in terms of them, being able to be creative with it is that I really stay out of everybody's hair with the production end of things. So, uh, what, what they play is pretty much what's on the album. There's not a lot of me going like, you know, could you try this? And like, I don't really do that. There's maybe every once in a while, like it's like one or two things I actually need to do. And you know, a couple, maybe a note or something at Tony's, you know, you want to try this out there? But I mean, that's it. Like in general, it was pretty much like what they laid down was exactly what you hear. So it does at least give them the creative leeway in, in that department. But um, in terms of doing these albums, I mean, I, I really enjoy the fact that I finally get to do like write the lyrics and the vocal melodies and be the guy who kind of gets the say so on the mix. And, and it's fun for me. And not that I don't enjoy the democratic process of the bands I'm a part of, but uh, it's nice to be able to be the boss every once in a while. Right on. And, and you mentioned the guys playing for the song and that's when you bring it, I mean, you have such talented with Tony Franklin and, and Derek and, and Vinny, they're, they're such, they have, they've put their fingerprint on so many different albums, but to bring it together and make it sound like a real band is also kind of a challenge sometimes to make it sound like something that they haven't done before. And I think they definitely accomplished that. 
Oh, cool. Well, I mean, that's, uh, that's hard to say. Cause I, well, number one, I don't listen to every album that everybody does, <laughs> but, uh, I think that just a lot of that just comes from letting people play like they play and staying out of their way. So in a way, this whole file sharing thing that people do these days, I've been sticking up for it lately in the interviews I'm doing. I, I don't always think it's a bad thing. I get the point that everybody would like everybody in the room together, but at the same time, as somebody who does a lot of sessions, I'll tell you right now, I do more takes and get better takes when I'm home alone because I'll, I'm less self-conscious. Not everybody's staring at me you know, like in the room waiting on me to be done. And, you know, people have a tendency in the studio in that situation to be like, okay, that's fine. And settle on a take where they probably at home would have gone, let me just do another one because I could do this better. So, uh, I, I think there's a lot of value in this whole file sharing thing, the way people do it. And I think there's less, uh, people aren't, uh, they don't want to play as safely, right? If you're playing in front of a bunch of people, you don't want to take chances and try crazy stuff. Cause you're worried like, what if I screw up and you know, I, this is not the place to make a fool of myself at home. You're perfectly free to make a fool of yourself <laughs> stuff as many times as you want. You can sit there and hit that, that, that back button or that, that, whatever it is, is it in pro tools? I assume these days for you. Yeah, and you know what, for me, like a lot of times it's great practice. So I don't, you know, like if I'm, I would, prefer to practice like that. Like if somebody's giving me a song to play a solo on, I, I see nothing wrong with like spending some time just treating it like practice and going over it and like trying a bunch of solos and trying a bunch of licks. And that to me has more value than sitting with a metronome and running scales or something, right. Or uh, doing something not musical. So um, for me, I have no problem spending time doing that stuff. And I guess in the studio, if everybody was there, I would, there's no way I'd be doing that. Well, mentioning the solo thing, when you do your solos, do you tend to write them or try to practice and rehearse them? Or do you try to go by more feel or is it kind of dependent upon the song? Um, I mean, I, I just try not to go too crazy with punching in, you know, and, and uh, trying to get myself in on little segments and stuff, try and get something that flows. And um, uh, in general, I, tried not to have any that didn't have some flair to them. Uh, I think, you know, the stage that it's in, if uh, I learned the value with the frontiers uh, album last time with the Joel Hoekstra's 13 first one called dying to live, um, that, you know, if you play a solo with no flourishes in it or no, nothing fancy people, you know, if they, if that's the only song they hear, they feel like the entire album is going to be like that. So it's almost like you gotta, <laughs> you gotta kind of give them a little something in every song. Otherwise you could make the mistake of uh, having people think that the whole album is going to be that way. Well, that's an interesting take because obviously people don't have the attention span a lot of times nowadays, unfortunately to listen to full albums or give it a whole opportunity because it's streaming. But I, I do like your idea of, being able to record at home or in your own little studio or however we do it, because I think, like you said, you can't take more chances because you're not worried about, okay, I'm here for eight hours to do this gig and I've got to get it done right. Otherwise we got to pay for another day of, you know, of studio time or whatever the case may be. So it's a very interesting world in which we're in now, but we do have to find the positives and make it work for us and, and feel good about it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just think, you know, for me, these songs are about 
what I want to hear as a listener more than they are about me, like as a guitar player, so to speak. So it's more just about the songs and yeah, the guitar playing that I do on there just serves the songs, but also fits the part a little bit of the, of the style of the era and everything. Right. Uh, although the stuff is like, if you a B it, it's 80 stuff, it's not really 80 stuff. It's kind of like a new breed of, of 80 stuff in a way I look at it. Right. <laughs> It's like uh, the way Chris mixes it and everything. It sounds very 2020, man. You know, it it doesn't or 2021 now, right? It's uh, it's definitely got a different level of muscle and production behind it. Um, I think it's just recorded differently than a lot of that 80s stuff. Well, well, going through and listening to it, and you know, track after track, you have very cohesive sounds and I, I think that the uh, uh, overall vibe of the album has a nice flow to it and I, I, you know the transitions between hard to say goodbye into how do you and then cried enough into take what's mine I, I think you have a great running order here do you pay a lot of attention to that yeah definitely I mean I, there a lot of work goes into every detail on these things um, definitely thought about it quite a bit and that really led to me writing the title track last minute at the end too. I just wanted something to uh, tie it all together. So I had the title already in my head and then I just thought, you know, it'd be perfect if I just wrote like a kind of finishing thought to tie this all together with the album title. And so that's what I did. And so that running game song at the end was really the last song written. So, so thinking about that, you, you obviously have a great working relationships with uh, with Frontiers and other projects going on. Those guys are, are so dedicated to to giving musicians an outlet. How would you describe you know the folks over at uh, at Frontiers and that working relationship with you and them? Oh man, I mean, you know, those guys have always been good to me. We're, we've been friends uh, since I met them back with Night Ranger. You know, we did somewhere in California and High Road. Uh, when I was with Night Ranger and got to meet those guys and play Frontiers Festival with, with them. And um, and then I joined Whitesnake and here we're on Frontiers. And so I <laughs> recorded the Purple Album and Flesh and Blood with them. And so, and obviously Dying to Live. So now it's, you know, I'm in the family, so to speak. By the way, Flesh and Blood, I thought was probably the best Snake album in 20 years. Love that album. Thanks so much, man. And uh, great, great, great sounds. And, and are you guys have, are you going to be coming back to Hook City to do new stuff with, with Coverdale in the future? I There's no word on that. So just, you know, whatever David's, whatever he says is great. You know, we're all kind of just standing by and there to support him with whatever his vision is. Awesome. Awesome. Now, you've put out an animated video for Finish Line, correct? Yeah. Pretty cool. What, what made you want to go the animated route? Um, yeah, I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> That's been something for like, I remember when I did my instrumental albums, I was like, I'm going to make an animated video. So, uh, Frontiers had this relationship with Wayne Joyner and he's done some videos already for other artists on the label and they suggested, it, and I was all about it. I was like, fantastic, let's do it. Um, so I thought finish line was a good choice. It's kind of darker and you know would lead to some cooler visuals than like hard to say goodbye would have so we opted for uh finish line with that and just gave wayne a real loose idea of a, a storyline and and uh, he just did it out of the park it's real cool people love it yeah it's a great video i i love 
I love the animation videos that people can do. And I think as obviously over the course of your lifetime and mine, because we're in that same age bracket, seeing how videos have changed from, you know, the, those 70s and 80s videos to what you can do now. And, and just the animation ones are just fantastic to experience and see the interpretations of, you know, what we look like and the caricatures of us. I think they had great fun. Yeah. I mean, for me, that was, it's really fun to have that, um, I guess just <laughs> as a, I don't know what a feather in the cap, something that I've done. I think that's neat. I mean, we did two videos for the last record and, uh, this time I just thought let's hit them with something different, man. You know, it's everybody's putting out the quarantine videos right now. And, um, just thought it was an opportunity to do something new and fun. Well, it definitely turned out great, but I did want to ask you something about early childhood because okay. you grew up with, uh, parents who are musicians and, and classical musicians, and you started on, on piano and cello. When you wanted to do rock and roll, how supportive were the parents? Uh, I think that they just didn't necessarily know. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, rock was pretty new. Like I had just started listening to ACDC and then I was like, I want a guitar. And so uh, I think maybe it just kind of like a sneak attack that they thought was probably going to burn out. And I think at first they had me taken from a folk guitar instructor and I was playing my stepmom's acoustic. And so I was like, this is like, I pictured it. This is more like my piano lessons and my cello lessons. Like this, <laughs> how, how does that guy from ACDC do that stuff? That's what I want to be doing. So I had this friend of mine, I went over to his house and he knew all this rock stuff. He had an electric guitar and had an amp and he knew, you know, whatever, all the riffs he's playing crazy train and stuff like that. And I was like, dude, like that, yes, this. And he said, Oh, go take for my teacher. So he steered me over to his teacher and, and that guy was great. He taught me a lot of rock songs. And, uh, by the time I was done my year or two taking lessons with him, I was, hooked, you know, and at what point do you think your parents went, okay, he, this is what he wants to do. We, we, he has our hundred percent support. Um, I mean, I don't think there was ever like, like we want you to quit playing guitar. I think there was some, just like any parents, there's a little bit of concern about when you're like, this is what I want to do for my living. That's <laughs> not exactly right. what parents want to hear from their kid. So I think there was a little bit of like, you know, you might want to just do that as a hobby and go to school and get a degree, you know, like your friends and yeah, you know, just like all that standard stuff that you hear growing up. So uh, but they were, I mean, they were supportive. It's not like they discouraged me at all. I mean, quite the opposite. I think they were very encouraging about the, the musical end of it. But when it came to like how serious it was going to be, I think they probably back then would have said like, you know, go with the hobby thing. And obviously you went full fledged into career. And I mean, just like I said, what you've done earlier on and playing with Cher and, and the TSO thing. And I think TSO is just a, a monster to itself, with just the level of talent in there. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's just an amazing thing to be a part of. And I mean, that came about in 2010 for me. So it's crazy. We're already talking 10, 11 years now. Um, Really, really wild. I mean, uh, at the time, I already had Rock of Ages and Night Ranger. And so I had this opportunity to audition and I got the gig offered. And there was a little bit of me that was like, you know, what, what do I do with this? Like, how is this going to fit? Because what do I do every November, December with Night Ranger now? You know, right. I can't. That was like going to be the first time where I was going to have to say, guys, I can't make a show. 
And so I was definitely, that was definitely a stressful move taking that on, but it ended up being one of the best things I ever did. Cause here I am with that 11 years later. Right. So, uh, it definitely, they were the, you know, the guys in night Ranger were totally cool and, and got it and understood and had my back with it. So that was great. And, and it's worked out. It's amazing to be here uh, 11 years later with that, that band and that organization. Which is phenomenal. Hopefully we return with it in, you know, the last half of this year, you know, the last couple of months, we'd love to see that back on the road again. Dude, very much so. That was the, that was the harshest part was, you know, White Snake, there's some times where we've had downtime. And so, you know, just, and we also did play at the top of 2020 together a bit before everything got shut down. But having no TSO was very weird. I was like, wow, this isn't going to happen at all. Huh? Okay, crazy. So anyway, but uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'll have my fingers crossed for in 2021 for sure. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. Well, awesome. And one last question for you. Yeah. Do you enjoy eating cake after those share concerts? Oh man. <laughs> like nobody's <laughs> business. Are you kidding? How do you know about that? Uh, you, you posted about it. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, this, uh, the share gig is a little dangerous, you know, like with the Vegas gig, they get all these, these amazing pastries and like donuts backstage every day. And it's like, Hey, hey, hey. and then it's anytime it's anybody's birthday, they combine and you've got a cake. And then if it's nobody's birthday, they just started making up an excuse to get cake. That was the joke. <laughs> so, no matter what we had a cake and it was like, it's Latoya Jackson's birthday, you know? And it would just be like a picture of Latoya Jackson on it. And that was, it was pretty hilarious, but the cake that they, they got was always amazing. And it was like, Oh God, I, all right, I just got to have one piece. And the next <laughs> thing you know, you're like, you know, like stuck, sticking in your pockets, taking it back to your room, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, see, I, I think you run a very engaging social media and I think fans love that. And that connection is very important with the fans and the musicians, especially for the past 12 months. So when you share stuff like that, it sticks and uh, I really enjoy your content. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, it's easier sometimes than others, but uh, I, I do my best to keep it interesting and take people along for the ride and try not to get too dragged into uh, you know all the all the the bad stuff on social media these days. <laughs> right, exactly, man. It, it's too easily to get sucked in that. I try to keep away from the negative and keep the positive energy out there. Yeah, I mean, I I try to. I try to use it as just a promotional tool and then avoid opinions. That's the, that's the smartest thing. <laughs> especially <laughs> like, in the past you know, year. Uh, yeah. Especially last year, but period since I've been there. I mean, I just, am not really into posting like, Hey, here's what I'm eating for dinner tonight and stuff like that. You know, it's more like this is all right. Here's my gig. Here's where I'm going right now. I'm doing this and here's a picture from it. Yeah, maybe something fun here and there, like the cake thing. That's not going to hurt anybody, but um, just try to, I try to make it like professional, right? Like what's happening and here's what's going on with the, with my career. And again, it, it's connecting and, and simple. And it, it, again, that's engaging though. You, again, you're not showing pictures of what you ate for dinner, you know, every day or, or your cup of coffee every morning. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to change the world either on there, which is, you know, it's, uh, I, I recognize the fact that I have my limitations and there's probably many, many people that know more about what's going on in the world than I do. So <laughs> that makes two of us. And that, that's kind of something I've, I've 
in doing my interviews and putting stuff out, I've always tried to avoid the political thing because you know what? We all believe things and, and I think music is a uniter and it pulls us together. And I don't want to be, I don't want to put the politics out there. That's not my, not my world. Yeah. Not mine either. It's never been my favorite thing at all. I, it's always been a turn off. Honestly, it's like, all right, this is a bummer. Let's just, let's just talk music and talk what I know. They, I, I feel the same, man, and, and definitely look forward to the world getting uh, running games on February 12th on Frontiers, and uh, I, I so much appreciate you being able to, to fit me in tonight, man. I really respect that and, and appreciate you for that. Yeah, awesome. Hey, glad it worked out, man. Wow, nice to, nice to know we did it. Yes. I got it done. Absolutely. So uh, cheers. So thank you so much, and you know, feel free to pass on whatever links you got, and, and uh, I'll get them up. Absolutely. I appreciate you. And I'll, uh, you can scratch me off the schedule for tomorrow morning. Cause I won't be calling you at, uh, 11 AM. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice to know. All right. <laughs> Sweet. Thank you so much. All right, Joel. Have a great night. Have a nice night. You bet. Bye-bye. And that was my conversation with Joel Hoekstra who is just a phenomenal guitar player. And minus the hiccups that we had with getting this thing set up properly, we got it done. And I appreciate him for being flexible. And shout out to John Freeman for always being a great supporter. I appreciate you, man, and had nothing but respect for you. Don't forget Joel's new solo album for Joel Hoekstra's 13 comes out on February 12th on Frontiers Records, or we should call it Frontiers Music. The album's called Running Games. The first video single was Finish Line. And for fans of just great rock music, this is, uh, it's a melodic hard rock, but the, the production, the writing, the playing, it, it all fits perfect. And definitely hope uh, you all get out there and give it a listen. As always, you can find me online at hardrockcore.net, which has links to all of my socials, including Instagram, Twitter, the Spotify playlist, the YouTube channel, and of course, all of the podcast information. As always, stay safe, stay true, tell your family and friends you love them, give them a hug, and have an awesome day.